And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that ye have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and him and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Alrighty, how are we doing guys? It's great to see your lovely faces. My name's Ollie, if I haven't met you. Uh, I'm the pastor here of our youth and our young adults and excited to give the message to you tonight. Uh, Harold was going to be sharing with us the last of our Anchor series, but he sends his apologies. Something has come up for him. So he's going to be giving that message in a couple weeks' time. I was going to be giving a message that was on my heart in a few weeks' time. I've fast-forwarded it to today uh, and we're going to share with you tonight uh, what that is. Um, But before I get there, I've got a question for you. If I can get that slide up. Thanks, McKenna. Uh, if you were Satan, it's maybe a strange way to start. Uh, if you were Satan and you wanted to outwit the church, you had some schemes and you were going to take them down, how would you do it? If you were Satan and you were going to take down the church, you were going to outwit them, how would you do it? Turn to the person next to you and share. Go. Thankfully, actually, we know some of Satan's schemes. Uh, we look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and Paul in the context he is writing to this church who have had this person do some terrible stuff but he's come back and they've sought reconciliation and Paul's like you need to forgive them Uh, verse 8 he says I urge you therefore to reaffirm your love for him another reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything anyone you forgive I also forgive and what I have forgiven if there was anything to forgive I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of his schemes what Satan is trying to outwit us and he's got schemes against us and where is it he's actually trying to sow division and unforgiveness and so Paul is like Yo, you need to forgive in order that Satan wouldn't outwit us. And that's what I want to address tonight. And this is kind of like the elephant in the room. I want to talk about conflict and forgiveness. And I call it the elephant in the room because it's like that saying, it's something we don't talk about very often. Um, And it can sometimes just simmer on the surface. And let's be real, like, we're a community of people with different desires, different things we have expectations, all this kind of stuff. Conflict happens. People disagree with each other. 
And I know even in this room, there are people who have been hurt by other people. And yet we never really talk about forgiveness. And so tonight, it's been on my heart that we talk about forgiveness. But really, the elephant in the room can become this kind of elephant, not the baby nice elephant, um, but this guy who is just going to come and wreak havoc. Uh, and this perhaps is going to be one of the most challenging things for you if you want to follow Jesus. Uh, it's actually forgiveness. It's a hard thing, uh, but I think an important thing is we're going to see. And uh, this is as much a message to me too, because, you know, I'm the kind of person who's a conflict avoider. I don't know if you're that person too, but I hate conflict. I've always, I'm a middle child and I've kind of tried to avoid it, stay out of it uh, and run away. Um, perhaps one of my, I was trying to think about a personal story to share and I reckon um, when thinking about unforgiveness, this is something I've struggled with. I remember a beach mission years back. I was um, leading the team and my best mate was on the team. And on the last night of mission, um, him and a few of his friends uh, went to the pub and had a drink. And normally we'd be okay with that, but not on mission because we had certain expectations of who was on mission uh, and it just wasn't a good look. And I was just, I was so upset with my friend. I was so angry, so full of rage. Gave him an earful, but I remember the morning after going to God in prayer and my heart was so full of rage and, and unforgiveness like I'd never experienced before particularly because it was someone so close to me and that was really 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 hard to move through how do we forgive someone who's let us down how do we forgive uh, because unforgiveness hurts and this is my first point for tonight uh, i want to show you that actually when we let these bitterness and conflicts brew it can actually do a lot of damage uh, it's kind of like a wound um a wound that gets infected. And so when a wound happens, we get hurt, uh, right? A wound is exposed. But when we add unforgiveness on that, it's kind of like an infection that kind of simmers and brews in it, and it doesn't allow that wound to heal. And so I've got a picture of a flan there, because what does that remind you of? It's from kind of infection, right? Pus, and it's gross. <laughs> Unforgiveness is gross, all right? I didn't want to put a picture of a wound up. It would just grossed you out. But I want you to hear that, that unforgiveness hurts. And wounds can get infected. So I want to acknowledge the wound there, but we want to talk about that infection. Uh, and to talk about unforgiveness, I want to talk about the effect of grudges. Uh, grudges grow. Uh, when we nurse bitterness in our heart, it doesn't just simmer away. More often than not, it actually grows and gets worse. And I love this quote, it's so helpful. Joy and sorrow can coexist. Joy and bitterness cannot. That's profound. Because I think so many of us experience sorrow and yet we're pressing in and called to experience joy and contentment in the Lord still. And yet I wonder if you've experienced this where you just can't seem to find that joy because you are, you are bitter. And there's someone that's annoying you and you just can't seem to get it out of your mind they've let you down they've hurt you and that unforgiveness it just it just pushes out joy so grudges grow but like i was trying to explain before grudges infect unforgiveness can actually be like a vortex where it sucks in our whole being 
it affects all of who we are. That actually we're doing other things and yet we're still this kind of bitter person because we're holding on to this grudge. And what it can do is also suffocate us of life. It can take away our joy. Unforgiveness hurts. But also as we had read before us before, unforgiveness and grudges can blind us. This is really powerful but important. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. This is a scary thought that we might actually be unable to see God and unable to see where God is working, unable to experience the life and the light of the King because we're blinded by our unforgiveness and our hatred and our bitterness. Unforgiveness hurts. And so we need to clean the wound. So I want to acknowledge that they're genuine wounds, but how can we actually clean the wound? So I want to go through a few reasons why we should forgive. So I've shown you kind of the damage that unforgiveness can do. But I want us to walk through actually, what is, why does the Bible compel us to do this? Why should we forgive? It is a countercultural thing. If you're here with us and not a Christian, this may seem foreign to you. But I want to explain to you the why. The why should I forgive someone? And I want to acknowledge as well that like this can be a really sensitive topic. If someone has deeply, deeply hurt you and, unf- and forgiveness for you is just something so painful, uh, I, want to, I want to be real with that. And we're going to address that later. Um, but I want us to come with humble hearts before God's Word and actually realize yeah, why, why are we called to forgiveness? And the first reason is that Jesus actually commands us to. He asks us to do this. Luke chapter 17, he says, Watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. That's Jesus asks us to do this. The second reason why should I forgive is because we have been forgiven. And to explain this, I want to open up a parable from Matthew chapter 18 that Jesus shares. Uh, because Jesus is ask, answering this exact question that Peter asked him. Peter's like, how many times do I got to forgive? You know, is it like, when am I off the hook until I don't have to forgive them anymore? And this is how Jesus answers this. So I want to read this parable to you. And I want you to really enter into this story because I think this is so important. We have been forgiven. So chapter 18, verse 21. Uh, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold And if you're reading your Bible there, there's actually a little footnote there. And it says, uh, it's in Greek, 10,000 talents. A talent was worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wage. So times one of those, 20 years, times 10,000. So any mathematicians here, how how many years is that? 200,000, is that right? 200,000 years wages. That's a fair amount of time. That's a lot of money. All right, so he owed him this. So it makes you wonder, what was he doing that made them owe this much? But verse 25, since he was not able to pay, 
The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had sold uh, be sold and to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt. Again, we're talking about 200,000 years of wages gone. Cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. A little footnote in the Bible there says, uh, talk about 100 denarii. It was usually a daily wage of a day laborer. So about 100 days wage. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. I think what Jesus is trying to explain to us is, can you see the magnitude of what God has done to receive us? And it's interesting how much Jesus compares how much we owe and actually what a testament to the gospel that through the death of Jesus, this is what Christians believe, all that debt is cancelled. All that mercy of God to receive us, to forgive us of our sins. That is beautiful. That is powerful. And Jesus is saying, how, how on earth could we receive that much and then refuse to extend forgiveness to those who have hurt us, to those who would come and ask for mercy from us? So why should I forgive? It's because we have been forgiven much. Next, why should I forgive? This is what we are called to as God's people. This is a new identity that we have. Colossians 3 verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, that's who we are, God's special chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is our new identity that He's calling us into as a body. That He's calling us into love and, and compassion, that we would be a people totally different from the world. That's what holy means, set apart. I mean, so distinctly amazing that we'd actually be a community of people that have forgiven one another, that have loved one another, that accept one another. And this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And sometimes we can just individualize this verse and say, yep, I want God's peace. But actually it's talking about the body. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. This is what Christ has called us to, to peace. And let that be what rules over us. This is why we should forgive. 
and perhaps a bit more prickly, this it is a condition for our own forgiveness. And certainly we believe as Christians that it's only through faith in Jesus that he wipes away our sin. There's nothing that we do, nothing that we can muster up in ourselves that grants us forgiveness. It's all God's mercy, all God's grace. And the Bible is clear, it gives that freely. But I, I really think we need to take this verse seriously because it's hard to kind of theologically theologize this verse away like it's it's there we need to wrestle with this that it's important to god the lord's prayer many of you know it jesus says forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and he kind of clarifies the next verse for if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins we've got to be really careful that we're not letting unforgiveness be a blockage to our faith and a blockage to God's grace and mercy. We're kind of putting this wedge in between us and God. That's a hard verse to wrestle with. I'm sure we could talk about it for more, but I think it should compel us at its face value that we need to be people that forgive. So that's the kind of why. Should you kind of like unforgiveness can fester and hurt and this is what we're called to as Jesus people, is to forgiveness. So for the rest of this message, I want to get a bit more practical and talk about how. And after I've talked about how, I'm going to address some of your, your questions, because I think I've got some um, questions that I think might come up out of this. But let's talk about the how. And to do talk about the how, I want to actually just give credit to, there's an organization called PeaceWise uh, that I've kind of gotten this material from. I've got a bunch of their articles up the front here so if you want to go deep and you're wrestling with this maybe you're going through a conflict yourself um, i'd encourage you to grab uh, grab a handout on your way out um, so how do i forgive uh, before i talk about how to forgive i just want to talk through uh, what is conflict uh, and how do we as christians approach conflict Firstly, conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen, like I said before. The first G, and there's going to be four, is we've got to see conflict as an opportunity for God to be glorified. There might be some conflict that you're going through. How might you see this experience as an opportunity for God to be glorified? How might you see this as an opportunity for you to grow? That you might see this, and I know this is hard because conflict is messy and difficult and prickly, but how can we see this as an opportunity for God to be glorified? And secondly, second G, so think through as we're approaching conflict, the second G is get the log out of your own eye first. Uh, this is really important that when we come, some, someone's hurt us, first thing we need to do is actually look at, okay, how, how am I a part of this conflict and i've got here own a hundred percent of whatever your percentage is so you might have done one percent in this fight and the other person's 99 percent, or maybe you know it's like 50 50 culpability maybe it's more whatever whatever your percentage is we're called to take ownership of that and own it and so during a conflict you might need to come to this place to make an apology 
Uh, and so when you are to make an apology, to say sorry, I've got some A's here. Uh, firstly, acknowledge those you have hurt. Acknowledge that percentage that you've done. Avoid if, buts, maybes. This is really hard when you've got a fight with someone, you think, oh, but, you know, or I'll say sorry when. Actually, apology comes first of actually accepting your own and avoiding any ifs. Accept responsibility. Accept the responsibility of what you've done, both actions and attitudes. In a conflict, again, I'm not talking about the other person yet, just talking about your own stuff. How have you been involved there? Express sorrow. Sorry, I just had to keep the A's. <laughs> Express sorrow for the way you affected someone. That's what we do when we, when we say sorry, when we apologize. It's like, I, I'm really sorry, and, and I'm sorrowful for the way that you have been affected. Accept the consequences. If you've done something wrong, there may be consequences. Accept them. This is really important. Alter your behavior. A apology doesn't mean much if you know full well that you're going to do the same thing tomorrow. It's actually called to change. And lastly, ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. All right, let's come back to conflict and the rest of our two Gs. So we've just talked about getting the log out of your own eye. Then we need to go and gently restore. So if someone has hurt you, we actually need to go to them and seek restoration. And you know, our tendency is to want to go and talk to everyone else about what, how that person hurt us and then talk about them behind their back before actually going to them and saying, hey, you hurt me. I know I'm guilty of that. I love complaining about people. And I want to say, like, before you go to that person, it might be okay that you talk to someone and say, hey, I've been hurt by this person. But it's not okay to go to so many different people with no intention of actually going to that person. So maybe if you're that person and someone comes and says, hey, someone's hurt me, help them to actually talk through, how can you go to that person and seek restoration? Seek for an apology and, and forgiveness. And so if you are to seek to gently restore, I want to encourage you, pray for wisdom. You might want to plan your words. Uh, choose the right time and place. And in that moment, listen carefully. And if necessary, take someone with you. This is so important because conflicts can just easily divide a church. And Satan's going to come, like you said, he's going to outwit us. These are schemes to seek to divide. But actually, as conflict is inevitable, again, see, a chance to glorify God, own your part of it, but then go to that person. Go to that person and seek restoration. And be honest. And that's why it's good to plan your words. Write it out say, hey, this, you hurt me by doing this. And lastly, go and be reconciled. This is more of a community call, is that we would seek and pursue forgiveness and reconciliation. All right, let's talk about forgiveness more specifically. We've talked about conflict, but then there's that moment where we'd actually pursue forgiveness. Uh, I really like uh, Vanitha Rendell Risner. She uh, has given a message on forgiveness. Um, she defined it this way, to surrender the right to hurt others in response to the way they've hurt us. This is really helpful. What is forgiveness? Surrendering that right to hurt others in response to the way they've hurt us and i'm talking at a personal level 
because if someone has done wrong and obviously there needs to be justice and consequences but it, from a personal level of retaliation let me say forgiveness is not forgiveness is not approving the hurt and saying it's okay forgiveness is not minimizing what has happened and forgiveness is by no means denying that wrongdoing has happened i think that's a really helpful clarification so when you are extending forgiveness it's not about minimizing the hurt it's about letting go of that right and bitterness to seek uh, to seek revenge in that way so i want to talk through uh, forgiveness and i'm talking about this at an internal level i'll come back to external like when there's an apology and you say i forgive you i want to start with how do i forgive from a yeah a heart level first and the first thing we need to do is actually ask God for help. Because we need to be honest. Because it might be like, I just cannot bring it in me to want to forgive this person. Would you take that to God and be honest and say, God, I don't want to forgive this person, but will you help me? Will you help me want to want to forgive this person? And with that, be honest with your feelings. Forgiveness is not about denying that there was any hurt and squashing any feeling, but it's, like, it's, it's helpful for us to be honest with that and validate the pain. Validate that that hurt has happened. Which then might lead you to name what has happened and all the negative repercussions. Write it down. When we forgive, we're not just, it's not just out there somewhere. We want to bring it close. And Okay, what, is, what wrong has been done to me? Let's, let's name that. Let's write it down. Let's bring it to God. And in that, receive and remember God's forgiveness to you. This is really important because remember, as God has forgiven us, at this point that we remember God's promises to us, we remember our identity in Christ, all that He has done for us, all that He is, all the mercy that He's shown me. I don't think we're ever going to come to a place to forgive those who have hurt us if we haven't received God's forgiveness. And at that point, able to release the hold of bitterness on you. So we've seen how we've been affected. We've remembered what God has done for us. And then I think this has to be in the power of the Spirit to say, God, I release this bitterness. I let it go. And remember that God will be the judge in the end, making everything right. God is the one who will make everything right in the end. So how do I forgive? Uh, I've summarized it here. Just ask. Come before the Lord. I'm talking about asking God. Ask God for help in this. Uh, validate the hurt write it down let's be specific okay how have i been hurt here because i think as well if we don't actually name it it can it can grow into something bigger in our heart but let's name it receive god's mercy and love and his promises and then release the bitterness and give it to the lord remembering him that's at a, at a heart level how do i forgive someone there also might be a case where uh, you received an apology and then extending forgiveness. Uh, this was in the piecewise stuff. Really helpful 
This is what forgiveness looks like. It's these, these promises. It says, I will not think about this incident. I will not bring this incident up and use it against you. I will not talk to others about this incident. I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. And it's, a lot of this is a journey. I understand that. But if you can't say this, that it might be that you haven't forgiven that person. And if you're still bringing it up and using it against them, and yet they've asked for, an apo- they've asked for forgiveness, and they've apologized, uh, it might need, you need to go through that process of forgiveness again. Uh, but let me just address some of your common questions. Uh, what if the person doesn't ask for forgiveness? Is there a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation? And how can I forgive someone who has hurt me deeply? Maybe you're asking that tonight. I've been doing a lot of talking, and before we finish, I might just be helpful for you to turn to the person next to you and just, okay, yeah, I've asked that question. How would you answer it? What do you think? And then I'll give you what I think. Um, But it would be good for you guys to engage. Have a go. Try and think. Alrighty. Well, you might want to continue those discussions afterwards, uh, or uh, come and come and see me if you want to follow those up. But let me just give you a few thoughts um, that I would just want to bring up. Um, what if the person doesn't ask for forgiveness? I think this is related to the second question as well. Is there a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation? Uh, I want to say. If the person doesn't ask for forgiveness, we can still forgive that person. Uh, Just as Jesus said to love your enemies, you don't start loving them once they stop being your enemy. Uh, The whole point is actually that we would extend love even when they are an enemy or, or they haven't asked for forgiveness. So I think that posture, like I said, that heart thing, we can release bitterness. But there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Because if someone hasn't actually, if they've been rebuked or confronted with the hurt that's done and refused to apologize, it might be that reconciliation is impossible. So though you can forgive them, extend that and release that bitterness, it might be that that relationship cannot be restored. And I want to actually just distinguish another third layer of that is that there's forgiveness, there's reconciliation, but then there's also restoration. So it might be that you've forgiven someone, uh, it might be that they then ask, they've said sorry, and there's reconciliation. Is actually that relationship is then kind of mended, and it might be like I'm okay with you. I've, like I've, you know, I'm not going to bring that up against you. That that those I wills that we talked about before. It might be that you trust them again, and you know you're okay to be in the same room again, and there's there's that that kind of healing that's happening there. But restoration is more kind of a return to the original relationship. So let me give you an example. If someone, this is an extreme example, but let's just say a husband and wife, uh, the husband cheats on the wife. uh, And uh, the wife um, may want to pray through and ask God for help to forgive her husband. Again, not agreeing that any of that is right, but she's, I'm going to release that bitterness to the Lord. I'm going to give God judgment. 
if the husband apologizes, there might be reconciliation. Okay, I receive your apology, but it might be a place where we're not going to be married anymore. That might be appropriate for a separation. And the Bible gives grace for that. Uh, and so there might be reconciliation of that relationship, but they're not married anymore. Whereas restoration might be that point. It might come where they might actually restore to be married again and kind of back to original relationship. So that's an extreme example, but can you see the layers of forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration is back to normal. So I think sometimes people think, oh, forgiveness is restoration. It might not be that. If someone has hurt you, uh, I'm not saying that God calls us to this kind of perfect restoration if that, if that hurt has happened. And I think we should seek that. But what he does call us to is that heart level of forgiveness and releasing it to the Lord, giving over all that bitterness, all that judgment to him and seeking reconciliation. And again, if that person is not willing to apologize, then, then that's on them. Um, but I think that's that's really helpful distinction. And lastly, how can I forgive someone who has hurt me deeply? Uh, this is so, so difficult because... Um, yeah, I want to acknowledge that some, I know that people have been deeply, deeply wounded. And to talk about forgiving that person is, uh, is a huge ask. And this is where I believe we need the Lord. We need the help of each other. And it might mean that you need to seek account- counseling for it to help you through that. Uh, but can, can you release all that, cl- that, all that cl- bitterness and it's kind of like we're re, again, that wound. That wound is real and it's, and it's raw. But the longer that we let that, we add bitterness, it's like that infection that makes it even worse. It's actually, can we clean the wound to help that wound to heal? Uh, that's tricky, a really hard question. Why don't you come and talk to me if you need some help with that? Um, and so I need to, got logged out there. Uh, to finish, uh, what I want us to do is just let's try and apply this in real time. Uh, and there's going to be an opportunity for you to just to take two or three minutes uh, to practice forgiveness in your heart. And you might want to just start with something really small. Um, it might be that someone gave you a funny look on the way in. Whatever it is, uh, I want you to think of someone who has wronged you. Think of someone who has wronged you. Maybe... Your pastor's going really long in his sermon. It's just making you upset. Um, I hope it's not. Can you think of someone who's wronged you? Ask God for help. Pray in this moment. Be honest. It might be, I don't want to forgive this person, but I need your help right now. Maybe you want to write it down, what that person did to hurt you and what feels unfair. Don't filter it. Just write down what comes to mind. And then would you take that to God in prayer and just... Let's just ask God, help me. Help me to release this bitterness right now. Release this, this unforgiveness and just to this, come to this place of I forgive them and I'm leaving that in your hands. That's a hard thing to do, but I think it is important for us to practice and to be a community that is able to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. So in that, remember to receive his promises. Uh, so I'll just give you a moment. You might want to do that. Please don't look over it someone else's what they're writing and be like oh really it's not about that maybe you don't want to do this just do it in your head go home and write it in your journal whatever that is uh but let's let's practice it let's take a moment um to do this
Maybe we need to do some business with the Lord in that. Uh, and then to finish in two or three minutes, I want to read to you a prayer uh, that, um, that I found. Uh, it's a guy called Scotty Smith. And I just thought he articulated it really helpfully. We'll, we'll pray this prayer together. I'll, I'll read it aloud for us in a few minutes. Um, but yeah, let's get real. Christ has called us to forgive one another. Uh, so let's not let anything fester in our wounds. Um, but let's yeah spend a moment, just think specifically. It's probably, yeah, yeah, you might need to do this over a long period of time, over weeks, if it's something serious. You might need to seek counseling. But maybe start tonight with just something small. How has someone wronged you? Might you practice this this forgiveness? Um, so just take two or three minutes. Has someone wronged you? Is that something on your heart at the moment? Um, I'm sure there might be something. And then I'll, I'll come up in another uh, minute or two and pray for us. I'd like to close your eyes and uh, just listen to these words, this prayer. Gracious Jesus, every time I pray the Lord's Prayer, I'm confronted with the dailiness, even the moment-by-moment call to forgive others. Usually that's not a big deal. Uh, Maybe it's because I'm conflict-avoidant and would rather wave off an offense than deal with the chaos and mess. But you've been forcing the issue over the past few weeks. There's brokenness in me and all around me old wounds are tender again and fresh relational hurts are emerging my conflict allergy is a thin veil for the serial killer that lives within even as i write and pray this prayer names and faces come before me that i know i haven't forgiven from my heart or from anywhere else I've enjoyed holding them emotionally hostage by my critical spirit and self-righteous smuggery. But in reality, I'm more a prisoner than they are. It's been easier to rehearse their sins than repent of the hardness of my heart, and that's never a good sign. Help me, Jesus, and others like me. I want to want to be free. Though I'm convicted, it's not easy to walk away from the pain. Self-protection looks a lot better right now than a vulnerable heart. What if the same thing happens again? What if I risk trusting but only end up with more chapters of the same story? Even as I pray, I realize how much I need the power of the gospel right now in this very moment. Have mercy on me, Jesus. Have mercy on me, the sinner. By the grace and truth of the gospel, humble me and free me. Jesus, I praise you for already forgiving all of my sins, past, present, and future, every sin of word, thought, and deed. And you have robed me, covered me with your perfect righteousness. I praise you for not merely waving off my sins, but wading into the mess of my heart. You paid the supreme price for my salvation and transformation with the currency of your life and death. As I ponder the riches of your grace for me, of course I admit that my unforgiveness is the greatest of all. 
It does not follow that I can lay claim to being forgiven and at the same time withhold mercy and grace from others. On no terms is that okay. By faith, I surrender to you right now. But I will not vainly promise anything. You, you must help me, Jesus. I cannot and I will not do this on my own. Make my worldly sorrow godly sorrow may your kindness drive me to obvious repentance and change and soon so very amen I pray in your holy and loving name